Welcome to the MMA Roadshow, episode number 225. My name is John Morgan. Cole Coffee is not with me this week. He's hanging out in Las Vegas. He will be on the road in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada next week for USC 240. He'll be up there with young Mike Bond. In the meantime, I am back in my home state, San Antonio to be precise. I'm a Dallas guy, but still back in Texas. Feels good. It's a bit of a, uh, a family affair for me this week. It is USC on ESPN4. Uh, my wife and kid have come along with me. They flew out with me, and uh, actually, my my wife is sitting right behind me right now, working on putting together a little uh, a little sign for the crowd, a little support for Roxanne Motiferi, the the Happy Warrior. My uh, my son trains jujitsu at Syndicate MMA, and uh, Roxanne is the uh, the head kids coach there, and so uh, he's he's pretty excited about it. He's pretty excited about watching her fight in person, uh, and my wife is trying to be the supportive mom as well, but. Uh, I, I gotta be honest. I'm, I'm excited to see it too, but I'm nervous. I, you know, it's, I, I was talking to some people the other day. It's amazing. You know, in this sport, you meet a lot of uh, amazing people and you develop relationships with them to a degree. And, uh, you know, you can't help it. You're around them for a long time. You're, you're, you're with them on fight week. You're with them in these, you know, important moments of their life. You help document their story and, and you develop relationships with them. And, and, uh, you know, I always say, I, you know, I don't think you should be friends of the people you cover. Or, you know, I think you got to keep a, a professional distance to a, deg- a degree, but you can't help but develop a little bit of relationships with them. But, you know, and then you see those people go into battle, and then sometimes you see them against each other, and, it, and it's hard. Uh, it, it's hard. It is. But I tell you what, uh, I, I'm nervous this week, man. You uh, you see your son uh, develop a bond with somebody, and he's about, you know, he's watched fights before, uh, but but he's never watched fights, you know, to somebody that has a direct role in his life, and it's uh, I don't know, man. It's 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 an important reminder of what these people do. You know, the, you're going in there and you're gonna get punched in the face, and uh, you might come out bruised and bloodied, and and it's it's in front of people that care about you, and uh, you know, uh, I'll definitely be watching that one with vested interest, and uh, and and a little bit nervous to be honest with you. So uh, I'm excited about it. You know, any any time I, I get to bring my son to an event. Uh, it's great because that's a week that uh, I'm on the road, but I still get to spend time with them. But uh, not going to lie, it's nervous. You, it, seeing somebody that has a, a relationship with your child, man, you can't help but, uh, but, but, but you know, have some, some care and some feelings for them as well. So uh, that part of the night is going to be interesting, uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll get to all that in a little bit. But my mom is here as well. She drew down, drove down from Dallas. My, my best friend and his wife, they're going to come in from Austin. Uh, and I'm actually going to go out to Austin for a couple days and, and hang out with them, catch up with some friends. They're actually uh, the godparents of, of my child as well. So it's a it's a cool weekend here for me in San Antonio for UFC on ESPN4. Uh, but enough about me. Let's let's get to these fights, right? That's what you care about. You don't, you don't want to hear about me and what I got going on. Rafael Dos Anjos and Leon Edwards in the main event. AT&T Center here in San Antonio. Big arena, home of the, uh, the San Antonio Spurs. Um, I imagine it will be scaled down a little bit. You, you know, you wouldn't have a fight night card all the way opened up. But uh, I did hear ticket sales are doing pretty well, which I, I always like to hear because when the UFC comes back to Texas, that means I get to come back to Texas and see friends and family. But, uh, you know, I did hear that ticket sales are doing strong, which is good um, because I think, you know, the main event is is not necessarily – the biggest seller to the local market. I mean, you've got, yes, a former champion, Rafael Dos Santos, but no real local ties. Although he's been pointing out all week, hey, some of my greatest moments actually happened fighting in Dallas. And, and, and that's true. You go back through, of course, he won the title there. So, I mean, he's, he's had some, some big moments in Dallas. But 
Uh, so he's he's happy to be in Texas. But, you know, he's a Brazilian. It's not like he has a lot of local ties here. And then, of course, Leon Edwards, born in Jamaica, but, you know, training and living in Birmingham, England, hasn't fought in the United States very much. Uh, so he doesn't have a lot of exposure over here. So not one of those fights that just kind of reaches out to the local market. You know, there's not a title on the line. Uh, at this point, man, as deep as that welterweight division is, I don't, I don't think you can say there's a, a certain number one contender fight on the line. And, and these guys have talked about that a little bit. So, you know, it's not one of those main events that really just pushes ticket sales. But I, I think it's a good main event. I think it's a better main event than people are, are giving it credit for. And, and, and maybe even me, you know, maybe even more than I was giving it credit for uh, in, in thinking about it until we got here. But then you get in front of these guys and you talk about them and you talk about what's at stake. Um, and it's it's a big fight in, in, in the welterweight division. There's no question about it. Big for both guys. I mean, Rafael Dos Anjos, of course, the, the former champ, he's looked good since he moved up to welterweight. You know, he, he, he had the wins over Tarek Safdie, Neil Magny, Robbie Lawler, and then he lost two in a row. But he lost to Colby Covington, and, and he lost to Kamaru Usman. So you're talking about the interim champ. You're talking about the champ. You're also about talking about two guys, I think, um, that fight very similar in terms of, of their goals and, and their, their key tools. And so I think, realistically, he kind of lost. I hate saying to the same guy twice. That's not fair to Colby or Kamaru either. But, you know, it lost to that kind of pressure cardio wrestler. Um, and, and he lost both those fights. But then he bounced back with a big win over Kevin Lee. And, and now you start saying, well, I mean, if, you're, if you lost to number one and number two, you know, maybe you're number three in the world. That's, that's not a bad spot to be in. So, you know, I, I think uh, – Rafael Dos Anjos still brings a lot to the table, and, and, and I love his attitude here too. You know, he says he, he took this fight, uh, he got the call, and he was actually uh, on vacation with his kid. They were out camping in Utah, I believe he said, and uh, had to cut the, the vacation a little short, but, you know, just said, listen, I'm, I'm here to fight. That's what I do. That's my job, and I'm not going to sit around and pick fights. You know, I've, I've, I've got to support my family. And uh, he actually said he liked the date because he, you know, he still gets another month or so with his kid before his kid has to go back to school, so he can spend a little time with him after this is over. But you know, in, in this day and age of picking fights and holding out, and, and what's the money fight and what's the biggest fight available, uh, Rafael dos Anjos is saying, "Dude, just put me in there. That's that's what I got to do. I'm not worried about numbers. I'm not worried about rankings. I'm not more worried about where things stand. I am just here to fight. And I know if I fight, and I know if I knock people out in front of me." That, uh, that I'm going to get back to that title shot, that I'm going to get back to where I am. And, and he's very, very realistic about it, and, and, I, and I can appreciate that. I'm not a number one contender right now, but I know if I keep knocking out people, I will be a number one contender. Meanwhile, Leon Edwards, it's, it's kind of a, a breakout opportunity, I think, for him. You know, the last time he fought in the United States, December 2015, uh, he lost a decision to Kamaru Usman. Now, at the time... You know, I think we all thought Kamaru Usman was a, a fantastic prospect, you know, a, a guy that was moving in the right direction. But we didn't realize, yes, this guy is, is definitely a future champion. Uh, since then, Leon Edwards has knocked, uh, has rattled off wins. Now, a, a lot of decisions along the way, but he still picked up wins. Dominic Waters, Albert Tumanoff, Asinze Luque, that's a big one. Uh, and, and to be honest with you, I like the Tumanoff one too. That was, that, that was a great fighter as well during his run in the UFC. Brian Barberina, Peter Savada, Donald Cerrone, Gunnar Nelson, um, big wins. And then, of course, um, the, the, the big moment, I guess, was probably uh, the infamous uh, you know, altercation, the backstage altercation uh, with Jorge Masvidal after that fight night back in March uh, in London. So um, along the way, he's, he's been fighting mainly in his native England. He's, he's fought in Manchester. He's fought in London three times. Uh, he's also fought in the Netherlands a couple of times. So he's been kind of tied into that European scene. He did have the main event. Don't forget the win over Cowboy was a main event, but it was in Singapore. And, you know, 
Singapore is a cool place, man. It really is. You know, it's a, it's a, it's an amazing place to go see. But the media over there, you know, you're doing scrums and you're and, and you're talking to, to to four four reporters, and most of them are asking you just the most basic generic questions. And then the problem, especially, and, and I know it because I've been over there, is that the hours are just completely opposite of this side of the world. And I think those stories kind of go unnoticed. Um, and I think the fights, to a degree, go unnoticed. I mean, yes, they happen, but, you know, as many UFC fights as there are, as many cards as there are, people pick and choose which ones they're really going to pay attention to. And, yes, they happen, but, you know, did you really focus on them? Did, did, did it really make an impression in your mind? And for those fighters, did it really make an impression uh, to people as to where they stand in the world? And, and I, don't, I don't think it did. You know, I don't think a win over Cowboy – got the respect it should have because it happened in Singapore. Uh, I don't think a win over Gunnar Nelson, uh, you know, showing that he's got some grappling, that Rocky isn't just a striker. I don't think that got the the attention it should have because then it became the Jorge Masvidal show. Um, you know, Brian Barberina, Vicente Luque, we, we saw what those guys did to each other. Uh, you know, amazing fighters there. So this is an impressive win streak that Leon Edwards is on, but this to me, I think is the moment that he has an opportunity to, to break out and prove that he actually, uh, that he actually matters, you know, and, and, uh, he believes, and I think potentially rightfully so that y yes, I'm not going to get a title shot here, but what about Masvidal next? You know, why, why don't we let that be the number one contender fight? Um, I, I think Kamaru Usman looks like he's going to come back in Madison square garden in November. That's when he wants to defend the title. <sighs> I mean, if Colby Covington beats Robbie Lawler coming up, I don't see how you don't give him the title shot. I know people don't like Colby Covington, but what he's accomplished, the fact that he's a former champ, uh, I don't see how you don't give him the title shot. I, I don't think that Robbie Lawler would necessarily jump into a title shot with a win. Of course, he's got a big name. You could always do something with him. But I, I don't know that he would necessarily be the rightful number one contender. Would you turn to Masvidal at that point? Maybe. I mean, Masvidal's star is as hot as it's ever been. Uh, it's you're, you're going to make more money than you ever have with Mazidal. Um, but to me, you know, if Covington beats Lawler, I think you got to go with Covington there against Usman. But tell me you couldn't do Edwards and Mazidal as the co-main event of that same card. Then you got your backup in place. You know how the UFC likes to do that with those big fights. You book another big fight in the same division. Um, and then you, you've got your setup there just in case somebody gets hurt. Um, if not, you know, then you got the perfect round robin. It's, it's a four-man tournament, and, and the two winners face each other for the title. So um, that, to me, is, is what I think is at stake here, uh, especially for Edwards. He's a talented guy. He's flown a lot under the radar. He's an interesting cat. Uh, Simon Head uh, wrote a, a great piece about him on the website. If you want to check that out, Simon, of course, uh, you know, kind of new to the junkie team, but but not. He's been around for a long time. If, if you know, fans of this, of this show have definitely heard him. He's been covering a lot of Edwards' career, so he has some insight on him. And uh, listen, I, I think this is a big moment for him. And it was, um, I think that's not lost on him. I think he, he realizes what's at stake. And um, I think for a lot of people, this is the first time they're really hearing from him, from you know the background of where he came from. Uh, you know, growing up in Jamaica, and now you know saying, listen, I, I made it. I made it from absolutely nothing. And here I am, you know, and look at what I've already accomplished. I'm, I've already won. I want to be a positive pillar in the community, um, but I want to move forward, and, and I want to do things my way. So uh, if, if you haven't had a chance to hear from Leon Edwards in the past, uh, I thought it made sense now that he's headlining here in Texas, here in San Antonio. Here is a, a media day conversation uh, with uh, the media, myself included, 
and a few other uh, cats as well. You'll, you'll hear uh, Rodney Edgar is in there. He made the trip out from Vegas. Uh, a couple of the uh, local cats that work for Sure Dog, they were in the, in the scrum as well there. Uh, Matt Wells uh, made the trip out as well from Dallas. So a couple familiar faces uh, and familiar voices in here. But uh, here is uh, our conversation with Leon Edwards. Yeah, I mean, uh, I know this isn't your first main event, but, I mean, this this feels like a bigger fight than last time out. I mean, just, yeah. the, you know, the, the presence, you know, the media, the attention, that sort of thing. I mean, does this does this feel different than last time? Um. Not really, not really. Probably more more media. I've done a lot of media for this camp, and I think because it's been a, it's been a short camp as well. It's not so hectic, I should say. So it's been good. I'm enjoying all of it and, and taking it in my stride, and I feel good. I noticed. I mean, you were at the arena yesterday after you finished your workouts. You know, you took some pictures, and yeah. your your you know your photos up there in the arena. <laughs> and uh, you know, it's it's a bigger arena than last time for yeah. sure. I mean, it, does it? I mean, does it feel any more special to you? More fun? More exciting? It feels good um, to fight a former world champion in RDA and out uh, in, in in America, main event in America. That's that's quite a big thing for me, and, and so it feels good to be here and in this spot and to be able to showcase for for the kids back in my hometown that you can come for where I come from and be where I am, headliner and main bill in the USA and ESPN, one of the biggest um, channels in the world. So it, it feels good to me, and but it doesn't it does not like overwhelm me. It feels like at home. I, I feel natural here and. This is what I'm meant to be doing. The last time you came to the U.S., it didn't work out for you, but I mean, I don't even know if that's fair. I mean, it was yeah. against Usman, it turns out to be a champion. Yeah. So, I mean, was there anything about the way you felt that night? You know, the travel, the, the temperature change, the I mean, was there anything that you learned from that that you, that you took into account this time around, or was it just, that was Kamar Usman? <laughs> um, for, the, for that camp, I, like I said before, I listened to other people. I left my hometown, I went to the States to train for the camp, and. It, it didn't work out. I, my whole camp, I didn't feel good because I was, I was isolated. I was training back to my my room, training back to my room. Had no one around me, you know what I mean? So um, since that camp, I've went back to my hometown. I believed in my in my team, believed in my coaching staff, and it's worked out so far. So this camp, I did the same thing. I stayed home in Birmingham, and I trained, came over here early to climatize. But apart from that, I got my same team with me from back home, and it, it feels good, and I'm looking forward to going out there and performing. Last thing for me, I mean, this does feel like a key moment in your career. I wonder, moving forward, I mean, you pick up a big win here of a former champion. Would you want to keep fighting over here more often where there is more media, where there is maybe you get a little more respect for the win streak? Yeah. Or, or do you enjoy fighting in Europe and being kind of that international guy? Which which way would you like to see your career go? Um, Both, probably. I, 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 like, I, like, I like fighting here. I like the weather. The weather is good. Um, but I also like fighting at home because it's like down the road, I was driving in your fight and go back home to, to your family. So I, I enjoy both. Um, I would like to come over here more often. This is my second like, my second fight. I'd like to come again, hopefully next year for the world title and just take it from there. You've always having bigger aspirations if you get a win, but what's kind of been the key to focusing on this fight right here, right now? I've, I've took it serious because um, RDA is a former champion. He is um, a legend of the sport and everyone holds him in high regards. So I, I took it as such and I focused my training in. Um, I'm focused. Um, I, I, for, to beat him, I need to, I need to beat him to get to where I want to be. So he's just another obstacle in the way. If I go out there and lose to RDA, then everything I'm saying makes no sense, you know what I mean? So um, I've took him serious and my focus is all on RDA. And, Defeat RDA. It's interesting you talk about you know telling the people back from where you are that they can make them. I mean, is that is that a big thing to you? Is to, to kind of lift up the community? Yeah, hundred percent. Um, because where I'm from, I'm 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 from the ghetto in England, and to start MMA at 17 years old, 
when I didn't know, know nothing about MMA and do. Now all the kids from around my area is now following me into MMA because see what I'm doing and the success I'm having from MMA. Um, it's good. It's, it's good to see other kids coming up, coming up where I came up. Now striving to MMA and branching off and doing their own thing to, in, in MMA. You know what I mean? So for me to go out there now and be the number third ranked guy in the world, doing it from my hometown of Birmingham, that shows them as well they can believe in Birmingham and do it from hometown as well. So it's good. So what's like the biggest area of concern for you? Because uh, when RDA was in here a minute ago, he was talking about how he feels he has more more tools in, in, in his tool bag. You know, he, he feels he has a bigger arsenal. So where's like the biggest focus for you guys in preparation for him? I, I feel I'll bet RDA wherever the fight goes. Um, he's, a, he's a good front foot fighter. He fights good when he's coming forward. And but apart from that, I, I can't see what else he, he brings to the table that I have not seen before. We got kickboxers by the dozen in, in, in the UK and. For the grappling goals, uh, I, I am I am great grappler. I am bigger. I am stronger. I am younger. Um, I am faster. So I feel I'll, I'll be able to better where the fight goes. And how do you with this win? It, it will you know just lengthen that that win streak. How do you avoid kind of finding yourself like in that Tony Ferguson spot where you've got this <laughs> long win streak but you can't get that title shot? Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's, it's, it's a hard game because it's the, it's the more you speak, it's probably the more you get. You, you get bumped up to the the tower shot, so I don't know. So it's a weird game we're in, and I just keep doing what I'm doing. I control, what I can control. I go out there, I win, and that's it. I'll take it from there. But I don't, I don't want to. I career like Tony Ferguson. <laughs> I, I, I want to get to a tower shot, and I, I want to fight for the tower. How weird was that last experience? I mean, you spent the whole week in the lead up to that last fight talking. I hate trash talk. I hate this game. And then you find yourself in this, you know, altercation after. I know. I mean, what, yeah. What, what was that whole experience like for you? Um. It, it, it was alright. No, Master was a twat and he did what he did, but his day will come and we'll, we'll prove to the world he's this gangster that he thinks he is and we'll, we'll prove to the world he's a gangster. It's weird though, right? Because, I mean, that thing got a ton of attention, right? More, you know, more so than anything else going yeah. on. So, is, is that a hard, I mean, does that make you look at the sport a little differently or how you have to approach the sport? Like, man, you're on this long win yeah, streak yeah. and nobody's talking about you yeah, and then you get the fight backstage and yeah. everybody's talking yeah. about you. It's, it, it is weird because even after the fight, when I went home after the altercation, I felt like I didn't have a fight that night. Like I didn't fall good and Nelson. It was it was weird. <laughs> I checked my social media. There's nothing about me being um, one of the best grapplers in the world. You know what I mean? I was like, what the hell? I just fought before that. But it's a mad game, and you're taking your strides. You got you got to enjoy the process and just keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> you said that you would fight Masvidal in in the a parking lot. Yeah. If, if had the. Um, after this fight, if you don't get a title shot, is, well, I guess really that's the question. Would you prefer the belt first or would you want to go after Masvidal first? Obviously, given how he's kind of been on that rise with his knockout over Astrid. Um, my, my aim is to be world champion. I'm not chasing Masvidal. Like I said, that fight happens either before, next or after the title shot, but that fight happen down the line. So my aim right now, my focus is to go out there, beat RDA Saturday night, and then get to Usman, the rematch with Usman, but the master of fight will happen. And you did a really candid interview talking about, um, you know, your your life story and growing up, how you did with your family in Jamaica and then moving to England and doing all that. Mm -hmm. um, having gone through all that and now you're at this, you know, you're finally getting a top five opponent, you're, you're right on the cusp of really getting a title shot. How does that all feel? How does, is, is this just kind it's of... Surreal. Yeah, yeah, it's surreal. Yeah, it's a surreal moment to come from where I came from, and it's crazy. I, I was born in like a, a wooden house, as a zinc roof, and in Jamaica, and to be now headlining ESPN and 
it's just a surreal life. It feels like another lifetime ago where I was in my life. And to be where I am now, is, it's amazing. And I take it in my stride. I, I enjoy everything. And to be able to go out there now and, like I said, to prove to other kids back home and back in Jamaica, back in the UK, um, growing up in similar situations, they can also, it's not about where you start in life, it's about where you finish. You can, you can change your family's life just by dedicating yourself to whatever you want to do in mixed martial arts or work or whatever you want to do in life. And you can change your whole family's life just by dedicating yourself to something. You don't have to finish where your parents finish, you know what I mean? You can start there and finish wherever you want in life. And that's my story and that's what I'm going to push out there now. And I've got this big platform, I can push it out there more and show other kids that you can do it and keep doing it. Big moment for Leon Edwards for sure. Uh, he's playing it cool, no doubt about it, man. He, he, that's that's kind of his style. But I, I tell you, at the open workouts, uh, it, it was kind of neat. You know, he was behind the stage uh, with his crew, and uh, they had, they had wrapped up, and they were kind of standing at the at the edge of the arena. And you have all the big artwork. You know, the the, the open workouts were on the floor of the ATT Center, um, but they had all the graphics packages lined up and everything, so you could see the big posters. And his face was plastered everywhere. And, uh, you know, was, he was kind of posing in front of the big jumbotron and the the arena screens, and they were taking some pictures. I mean, this is cool. Like I said, no disrespect to headlining uh, in Singapore, especially you know when you're fighting a guy like Cowboy Cerrone, um, who's you know one of the fan favorites, a true legend of the sport. Um, but this is different. I think the energy is going to be different. Um, I, I think the amount of attention he's received is different. Um, and, and I like his attitude, man. I, I, I do love his attitude and the message that he brings. And so uh, this is a big moment for him. But RDA is no joke, man. Like I said, I, I think that you know people are quick to dismiss him because of the losses. But you're talking about losses to number one and number two. So um, very, very intriguing, uh, to say the least. The co-main event, it's a heavyweight fight. You know what it is? It's not the one you're thinking. <laughs> it's Walt Harris versus Alexi Olenek. Yes, Juan Adams and Greg Hardy have been getting a lot of the shine. Uh, but the actual co-main event is Walt Harris and Alexi Olenek. Of course, you remember they were supposed to fight, uh, what, earlier this year in, in, in May. Um, and then the UFC pulled Alexi Olenek from the fight uh, in order to send him to uh, Russia. He ended up losing to Alistair Overeem over there. Uh, meanwhile, Walt Harris ended up fighting Sergey Spivak. Uh, and and uh, got rid of him in under a minute. It was a great performance by Walt Harris. Um, I've been a big fan of Walt Harris for a long time. You know, just personally, the guy is um, upbeat. He's he's got a great. He's fun to be around. I mean, you just you hang around the guy. He's got positive energy, and I like people like that. Uh, and, and so. I guess on the inside, I've always kind of cheered for him, wanted to see him do well, even when he was battling through losses. You know, people that just had that positive energy, you want to see him do well. And it's clear that he's got some physical gifts. And it seems to me, now granted, the last two wins are not against uh, proven commodities uh, like Alexi Olenek. But nonetheless, they were impressive finishes. Uh, and, of course, you'll, you'll go back to the Daniel Spitz finish as well. Impressive wins for him. Um, this is a much bigger test. But – it's interesting because, you know, he kind of wanted to put this fight back together, which which uh, which led me to wonder why. I mean, it doesn't seem like the most natural matchup of all time. And, of course, these two trained together at one point. So, you know, is, is there something behind it that we don't know about? Um, and, and so I was kind of intrigued that they put this fight together again. But, uh, but I, I like the fight. And, of course, Alexi Olenek, how can you not love watching this guy fight? I mean, the grappling that he brings. Alexi Olenek is hilarious because – 
you know, when he goes to weigh in, it's, it's very much like Big Nog used to be back in the day. Like, the way he's hobbling around and barely moving, you're, you're like, how's this gonna, how's this guy gonna fight tomorrow night? I mean, he, he, it's like he has no, uh, you know, no movement in his joints. Uh, and, and so you just wonder how he's gonna make it, but, but he goes out there, and of course, the, the famed Ezekiel choke that he's made so many victims out of, it's, it's incredible. So, um, I, I'm very, very intrigued by his matchup, and again, it's funny to me that this is the co-main event, because Everybody has been talking about uh, Greg Hardy and and Juan Adams to say the least, and and rightfully so. I mean, those guys are are, are big dudes. There's a there's a real intense rivalry here happening, um, and and I think it's going to be uh, I think that fight that that fight at least very early on uh, is going to be kind of violent. But the, the co-main event is uh, is uh, Walt Harris and Alexi Olenek. So uh, I I did want to share a little bit with Walt Harris. Like I said, his attitude, uh, his. Uh, it's just energy, man. It's his enthusiasm. It's fun. I like what he brings to the table. And uh, and there's a great part that I'll, I'll save it for you. Uh, the the Sherdog crew actually brought up a great point that got him going, uh, and it's pretty funny. You'll, you'll definitely know it when you hear it. Um, but uh, it's good. It's good. He, he had some good points, and I, and, I, and I was bummed that I wasn't the one that asked the question because it was fantastic. Uh, but here is uh, the media conversation earlier with Walt Harris. Well, give me, give me an idea. Who is it that really wants you to fight Alexi Olenek? I mean, is it something that you're like, we got to put this thing back together? Or? Yeah, man, it's me, man. Uh, excuse me, let me turn this off. Um, yeah, I, I just feel like, you know, it's my time to make take the next step in my career. You know, I've been in the UFC for – well, it'll be six years in November, so I feel like now is my time. I'm hitting my prime, my peak, and uh, it's a good test for me. And good, inter- uh, you know, welcome to the rest of the world to say, "Hey, man, I'm here." Is this something you know about? I mean, you guys trained a little bit together, right? Is this something that you know that you can? Uh, I can't give away <laughs> my secrets, but nah, it's uh, you know, it's just one of those things, man. Um, Alexi is a formidable opponent. He's done a lot in this sport. He's well respected, so um, and he has my respect, you know. And I, like you said, we're friends. Um, and you know, he's just kind of in the way, you know what I mean? I don't want, I wouldn't fight him if I didn't have to, but just the way the cars and the chips fail, man, it's just, it's perfect. So. That's what I wanted. Nice. Talk to me about that last performance, man. I mean, you've had some ups and downs, right? You struggled against Sissy. That was incredible, right? Yeah. How much did that mean to you personally to go out there and, and do something like that? Um, it meant everything because it was exactly how I envisioned it. It's um, it's kind of what I spoke into the atmosphere. I wanted to go in there and dominate. Um, I felt like you know giving that kid any time to get comfortable in the octagon would have been a mistake on my part. And um, I also wanted to show the UFC brass that you know he don't belong in here with me, and you know I got to let them know that. So. That's what we went in there and did. You look at this matchup. I mean, it might be a stretch to compare him to Verdun, but, I mean, they have submission games, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if people say, well, you know, that didn't go so well for you, what would you say to those people? I would say to those people, I fought Fabricio Verdun on 45 minutes notice like a beast. And um, I also will say I was not prepared for that fight, but I've been preparing for Alexi for the better part of two or three years, if you really want to be honest. And we were in camp for literally 15 weeks so that's how I looked at it, because I fought uh, Sergey. Um, you know, it changed four weeks out. So technically, we just kept training for Alexi. So, you know, I'm more than prepared for this. And I think they're going to be pleasantly surprised if it does get into that situation. But we ain't going to let it go there. Nice. Last thing for me, this is a co-main event. But there's a couple other heavyweights on the card that seem to be getting a lot of attention. Uh, I'm just curious, what do you think about, the, you know, the, the match between those two guys and, and whether they deserve it, whether either they're on your radar, maybe they're stealing um, your shine? What, what do you think? Nah, man, I mean, it is what it is, man. I go in there and I let my skills do the talking, you know. 
people are gonna say what they want to say. People got certain hypes around them because of things that happened in their past, man. You know, I fly under the radar, but I promise you, in 2020, y'all gonna see me. You gonna feel me for real. So you know, I let those things play out on their own. I let the UFC make those decisions, and I fight whoever they put in front of me. Alexi talked about um, possibly, you know, at, at one point training with you again mm -hmm. after this fight. Has he discussed that with you at all? No, I hadn't, I hadn't really talked to him about it. Um, you know, I hadn't spoken to him since I uh, made the gym change from top team. But uh, like I said, man, I love training with Alexa. We had a great training relationship. Um, you know, I would help him with his striking, he'd help him with my grappling. So it kind of worked out, man, you know, and we just had that, you know, kind of kind of bond, you know. Um, yeah, that was a language barrier, of course. But when you're training, um, you know, those things kind of, don't even matter, you know. That brings you together when you're on the mat. So um, I have my utmost respect for him, but I got a job to do Saturday night. So all that stuff will be pushed aside. We can go have a beer. We can roll and do all that after after the fact. But I'm, I'm here, you know, with a job to do. And obviously uh, things got a little derailed for you with the USADA issue. Mm -hmm. You said back in May you were going to sue the supplement company. Facts. S seeing, seeing as how UL Romero got yourself. Big facts. Yeah. <laughs> how, how is that going along? Uh, I talked to Yoel, and uh, it's – made me go from like adamant about it to like this will get done this before this year's over you feel me like um i saw that settlement and i i hit him up right away like bro like really that's what we doing now you know he laughed about it he's like your turn you know just keep stay focused you know because he knows me he knows my character and i think the ufc does as well um so it's it's something that i really i don't I'm not concerned about the money. It's my reputation and my character that is, that's on the line, you know. And I don't – I've been clean. I've been doing this thing for so long the right way. And for something like that to happen to me at this stage of my career, I'm like, man, come on now. So then you just donate the $21 million to charity because it's not – Nah, really see, I ain't on no Bill Gates yet. Like, I, you know, Bill, Bill Gates can do that. He, you know, he can donate charitable contributions and all that. I'm going to I'm, I'm donate a little bit. Don't get me wrong, but <laughs> – we we gonna you know my coach got some visions and goals you know what I'm saying and uh, we gonna do some things together man you know we trying to make this thing big for Alabama so that money's gonna go to a good cause to build our state build MMA and keep doing what we doing of course I'm gonna keep fighting if the, when the settlement check hit but I'm gonna be fighting with a whole lot of back ends you know what I mean it's gonna be it's gonna be Gucci everything I like you know what I'm saying so but you're gonna cover Alexi's beer when you got for to sure I got the tab for sure for sure no that's my you know I'm gonna look out for him for sure. How's it been dealing with, like, I guess, the uh, social media blowback on surrounding that whole ordeal? Man, it's crazy because um, some guys, are, you know, that I, what I call casuals, they don't really know. They hadn't read the articles. They hadn't done any research on it. They hadn't heard Jeff speak out about it and stand up for me or anything like that. So they just, like, I've been getting the little needle syringes on comments and stuff, you know, and I'm like, come on, bro. You know what I'm saying? But then there's, like, people who really know me and who really follow me, and they, they come back, you know, and they jump on the case for me, so I don't really have to do a lot of back and forth on social media. I just try to keep my page positive, keep my energy, and uh, you know everything around me positive, man. We don't worry about the past; we just keep pushing forward. And uh, I guess considering that when you guys used to train together, how much different are you from from that time? Man, and light years, bro. Light years, bro. Like I, I made a comment yesterday to somebody: the guy that I was training, I was when I was training with Alexi. Man, I would smoke that dude today. Like it's not even close. I would embarrass that guy, and I was what I would consider to be pretty good back then. So at the end of the day, you know, that was then, this is now. Um, and I hope he's ready, man. I'm telling you, we got some tricks up our sleeves. But like I said, we're we going to follow him where we want, want him to go and make him fight how we want to fight and see how he handles it, you know. Everybody's like, oh, he does this, he does that. But what about what I do? You know what I mean? What about my skill set? You know, that's how I look at it. I ain't worried about that one, you know, special choke. I've trained with it. We worked on it. I got one of the best jujitsu coaches, best head coaches in the game. So I'm more than prepared, man, for sure. Sure.
Price. That's your cold main event there. The big ticket, the boa constrictor. We'll see how that one plays out. Uh, like I said, I do feel like maybe Walt has, you know, turned a corner in his career, but Alexi Olenek is, uh, is no joke in his grappling. Man, he's got that old man strength. There's no doubt about it. All right, uh, the fight that, uh, again, the heavyweight fight that is not the co-main event that is getting a, a lot of attention, Juan Adams and Greg Hardy. And, uh, man, you know, Greg Hardy, of course, has been the center of controversy since he came into the UFC. You know, does he deserve the attention that he's getting? You know, uh, man, with his with his history of domestic violence accusations and uh, you know a conviction that was uh, later overturned on on uh, you know uh, appeal, but nonetheless, uh, um, you know, a conviction. Does Greg Hardy even deserve this opportunity? And those are things that I think at this point, I, I just don't know that you can debate him anymore. I mean, maybe when he gets up to the highest ranks. Uh, if he makes it that far, you know, people start debating it again. But right now, it is what it is. You know, he's in the UFC, uh, and he is getting this attention, and he does get those clicks, um, and and he does kind of capture the imagination a little bit. You know, I saw the local media here in town. It's funny, I, you know, I guess because I don't really cover football. You know, he played for the Dallas Cowboys, and some of what he went through was as a Dallas Cowboy. I think a lot of it was at its worst as a Carolina Panther, but. Um, you know, the local media was kind of interested in asking him about his football days and about, you know, being back in Texas. And he kind of voluntarily brought it up himself, you know, that uh, I enjoy being back here. You know, it's, it's great for me to get an opportunity to be back in a state that I love, a, a place that I love. Um, you know, and I asked him point blank. I'm like, I mean, your playing days were good, but don't you think your off the field days weren't great? And he's like, listen, man, uh, no, you know, everything was fine. You know, I, I enjoyed my opportunity here. Um, so anyway, uh, you know, Greg Hardy has gotten a lot of attention, and, and uh, I guess understandably so. He's a controversial figure, to say the least. He's also somebody that shows an incredible amount of promise in his career, and he's somebody that if you if you talk to those around him, say, is doing all the right things now. And um, again, I, I will never try to defend the man for, you know, the, the, the stories and, and uh, you know, the accusations and what he was, like I said, ultimately convicted of, you can't defend uh, a man for making those decisions. You just absolutely can't. All I can tell you is that, you know, the people around him, in my conversations with him, it sounds like, you know, he, he's at least doing the right things now. Uh, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's clean and sober. Uh, he's, he's living at the, at the dorms at American Top Team, you know, not exactly the, the nicest of conditions for somebody that, that still has uh, assumedly, uh, so at least some money in the bank. Um, you know, so I, I, I don't know. I, I, I just, I, I'm kind of done with that argument. I mean, I, I don't know what you can do at this point. The guy's here. Um, and, and I don't think there's really a, a reason to stop him, but you know, Juan Adams, meanwhile, has taken absolute target, absolute aim at Greg Hardy, uh, has made it clear I do not like this guy. You know, he started the the hashtag, uh, you know, F Greg Hardy, um, although he, you know, he went ahead and filled it out. <laughs> he didn't censor himself. And, and I thought that was wild, man. I thought that was over the top. Um, you know, not that I'm somebody that is worried about, you know, spewing a bad word or two, but I, I don't know. It was just weird seeing it on, like, every post, you know, F this guy, F that guy. Uh, you know, he even brought – T-shirts this week that he wasn't allowed to pass out, but he was going to pass them out at open workouts. So he had some pink T-shirts with the hashtag on it. Uh, he is taking dead aim at Greg Hardy. And, uh, you know, part of me thought that, you know, maybe that was a marketing ploy more than anything. And if it is, I mean, a smart marketing ploy, right? I mean, Juan Adams, no disrespect, but doesn't have 
the notoriety that Greg Hardy does. That yes, they're they're early on in their career. That you know their their mixed martial arts accomplishments, um, you could say, are similar in terms of win loss record and experience. Uh, but Juan Adams doesn't get the, the type of attention that Greg Hardy does, whether that's positive or negative. But uh, but Juan Adams got this fight and. Now he's got to live up to it, and and I got to say, I, I had a chance to sit down with Juan Adams and, and wanted to ask him about you know his mindset and you know do you really hate the guy or is this just a marketing ploy and and you know that sort of thing and um, man I I got to say I was really really impressed by Juan Adams and just his candor and uh, what he had to say about it and and this and the story of the Genesis you know I'm sure it was probably out there but I I didn't I hadn't had a chance to see it I'll be honest with you I mean there's a ton of stories for us to cover. And I knew he didn't like the guy, um, but I didn't understand the genesis of where it came from. And, and after you hear that, uh, man, I, I have uh, all the respect in the world for one Adams and, and all the understanding. And uh, no more question marks from me about the hashtag. I get it. Um, uh, yeah, we'll just leave it at that. The two, two big guys that are going at it, and it seems like there's some animosity on the line. Uh, but here is my conversation uh, with one Adams. This is a, a sit-down that we had uh, yesterday. Well, you have been asking for this fight for a long time, man. You have been lobbying for it and making it clear you want it. Now you're a couple of days out. What's what's the emotion like of having a fight that you've been kind of building up to like this? You know, uh, you know the emotion going into this fight, I'm just super happy. You know, very happy that the UFC is giving me the fight. Uh, very happy that they're letting me fight um, with a quick turnaround from my last one. And, uh, you know, normally there's a lot more anxiety going into a fight, but... We know how to beat this guy. We're just going to keep working the game plan. We got what we asked for. Now all I have to do is deliver. Have you guys crossed paths at all this week? Or? Yeah, there was once like on the elevator. He was coming down and I was going up. Or we were both going in the same spot. And I just looked on the elevator. And his team was like, oh, there's space. And I go, no, nah, no, there's not. <laughs> there's no space on this. <laughs> Probably wise idea. Yeah, um, but yeah, we haven't had any. I mean, even if we did cross, I'm not going to say anything else to him. Um, you know, we're fighting for Saturday. I don't want to jeopardize that. Yeah, no question about it. So, I mean, give me an idea. This this. This is the day of entertainment, right? This is right. the day of, 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 you know, speaking out so you get what you want. I mean, this right. campaign to fight Greg Hardy, how, how much do you really hate the guy? And how much of it was just like, this is a great way to, to get this fight together? You know, initially, it, I didn't really hate him. I just kind of resented him because literally every week since, you know, his first amateur fight, they're like, you should fight Greg Hardy. You should fight Greg Hardy. I'm like, do you realize that we're both still amateurs at this point? No promotion is going to pay to fly someone in from Florida to fight on an amateur promotion in Texas or vice versa. So it started off as just like resentment. And then like I started getting upset because people actually think he can beat me. And then that pissed me off. And, um, you know, then I read, you know, some of the police reports from his past and things like that. And I'm like, man, this dude is just a terrible human being. And then on top of that, his baby mama messages me on Instagram and stuff, like sending me screenshots of her son trying to FaceTime him. So I got to deal with that now. And that caused issues with my girl. She's like, who's this chick randomly messaging? I'm like, nah, it's, it's not like that, babe. So, yeah, it's just uh, that just escalated it. But I, I legitimately don't like this man. Uh, I never was fond of him beforehand. Then, you know, you got to understand that wears on you every week for and the frequency just keeps increasing, you know. Then when we're both on Contender Series, uh, he's on week one of Contender Series with zero pro fights, and I'm on, like, one of the last weeks of it. That added to the fire, and then, you know, seeing him get booked to fight before me, 
that, that upset me as well. And on top of that, you know, seeing the people he's fighting, like, yeah, these guys have decent records, but if you just look at them, you can tell they're not athletes. And that bothered me because, you know, I'm going out of my way. People, no one's signing up to fight me. And uh, so the people I do get, I'm having to fight a way more experienced than me. And uh, I've been fighting for a long time and I'm, you know, really new to it. So, yeah, I'm getting upset. And then the comparisons they're getting uh, because he's knocking out cans as opposed to me having to fight guys with, you know, 15 pro MMA fights and pro boxing fights on the side. Like, it's not even close to a similar comparison. And that bothers me. And then, you know, just add on the noise that you get online. Like, I go online to, to mess around like everybody else. And... You know, to have to see stupid comments from people with, you know, double-digit IQs bothers me. <laughs> How about for you, though, to take, to take the idea? I mean, it's one thing, people talk in this game, right? right? But, I mean, you're throwing out this hashtag, fuck Greg Hardy, for months on end, you know what I mean? And sticking with it, right? Like, not yeah. shying away from it to the point that you're wearing T-shirts this week with it on there, right? I yeah. Mean, how did you get to that decision? I'm just, I'm rolling with this, man. We're not going to kind of cherry, you know. Yeah. Well, it was one of those things where... I got tired of people always asking, like, well, when are you going to fight? Are you afraid to fight? I'm like, no, I'm not scared to fight. You know what? I'll fight him. Whatever. Let's do this. And so then every time I saw him, like, that's the first thing that popped in my head, man. Fuck this dude. So (laughs) I eventually got tired of it. And, you know, now it became like once a week I put an obligatory, you know, just saying fuck Greg Hardy. And then I'm like, you know, why don't I just make it a hashtag? And People ran with it, and, you know, I'm consistent with that energy. I don't like that dude. I don't like anything about him, so fuck him. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about your career. You know, last time out, obviously, nobody gets out of this game undefeated, right? right. But uh, I got to imagine frustrating. What, what lessons did you take out of that fight? Um, you know, I took a lot from that fight. I, I learned that this isn't a level where I can just kind of show up physically and not mentally. You know, there's been fights where... You're there, you want to do the fight, and then there's fights where you're just like, God, I, I got to do this again, you know? And um, the wrong me showed up that day, and I learned that I have to do more, you know? I can't just make it a, a part-time thing or, you know, be a fighter when I have a fight announced. I, I took away from that that I really need to make this more of a lifestyle for myself. So, you know, a week after that fight, I added uh, two new coaches to the mix. I added, I think, a total of... I did five hours of boxing in for the week and uh, three hours wrestling, and then I added uh, four three-mile runs for at varying speeds throughout the week, uh, in addition to mobility training and an extra day of strength and conditioning. So overall, we added a, a, about 12 hours a week of training to my schedule, and uh, we really tightened up on the diet and everything, cut down on you know the other extracurriculars so I don't party as much now I don't go out as much I don't drink as much now and uh, it paid off you know I only got up to 285 uh, after that last fight and came in in better shape all camp I was able to work a little bit harder push push the boundary a little bit more than last time and it's paid dividends you know just mentally I feel a lot better coming into this one that's awesome you got booked quickly, though, right? I mean, right. so I got to ask, I mean, does that, you feel like the promotion believes in you? Were you, were you lobbying the hell out of them to, to get something? I mean, to, to get booked that quick again after yeah. the loss, that's got to feel good. It feels really good. Uh, you know, and that was always my thing. Before I signed with the UFC, I think I fought seven times in 16 months. And, you know, I like that high pace. I like, you know, being back in there because that, that helps me, you know, get back to the drawing board quicker 
fill in the holes in my game and you get to test things out. And, you know, that was one of my biggest complaints from even once I got signed. I'm like, why am I have at this rate, you know, guys from next season, a contender series are going to fight before me. So I got to fight then. And then I was, you know, here we are two, three months later, I'm asking to get on any card. No. And uh, I guess, uh, I mean, I guess they kind of put me in my place. I got Arjun and He's a tough dude. I'll give him that. I thought I won the fight, but uh, you know, it was split media-wise, and I don't. It's in the past. I can't change it. But you know, so I'm exp- I'm thinking like, damn, it's gonna be another five months here, and then three weeks later, my manager's like, you're not gonna believe who we got, and I said, what, really? Uh, but apparently, I I don't know if he asked for the fight, so it was just you know, two guys want to fight, and then it, however it happened, I'm just grateful to get the fight, and uh, it being this dude is icing on the cake. Nice. So break it down. Then, what does this fight mean to you? Because I mean, it, on the one hand, it's like this. I think it's this big opportunity. Like, there's there's a lot of spotlight on you right. guys this week. It, it sounds like not necessarily personal, but you just don't like the guy. But also like a rebound from a loss, and and, and maybe you showing how you've developed this short time. So, I mean, when you encapsulate right. this fight, what, what does it mean to you? You know, this this fight for me is just, it, it's opportunity. You know, it's a really big opportunity for me. And, you know, I've said it in a couple of interviews before, you know, the, his past of, you know, domestic violence and, and things like that. You know, when I was six years old, I watched my mom, like, get beat up in front of me. And, you know, I tried to fight that dude. I was six years old trying to fight a grown man. And, um, you know, now I don't ever have to, you know, if if it were to happen today, that that's not how it would have gone down, and you know, so that that plays a big role in it, you know. It, it's kind of, you know, for me, being able to do something about things that I don't like now, I, I can control the situation a little bit more now, you know. And furthermore, it's one of those things where I've done, tried to do the right thing pretty much my whole life, you know. Uh, it's deeply ingrained in me, I, you know. Between going to Catholic high school, uh, Eagle Scout, you know, I went to a military college with a single sanction honor system. It's always been about doing what's right, you know. And to see someone that hasn't lived that or hasn't always done the right thing, made as many mistakes as he's had. Because granted, we all make mistakes, but for him to show no remorse for it at all and then still get better opportunities than me. That, you know, that adds a little extra to it. So that's another reason for the, my, my dislike of this guy. So there's so much that, that goes into it. And a culminating point is, you know, it's just an opportunity. You know, there's retribution in it. There's payback. I'm, I really want to put my hands on this man. So do I, <laughs> just want to make it to Saturday. No question. Well, that's, that's, it's a deep fight on a lot of levels. Oh, but at yeah. the end of the day, it's... It's two big, strong dudes in, in a cage together, right? So, right. I mean, when this thing plays out in your head, I mean, are you expecting this to be something that's short and violent, or are you expecting that this might have to be a tactical battle and you might have to out-technique? I mean, when you play this out, how, how do you see it going? You know, I see myself going in there being, you know, you can be extremely technical and also extremely violent, you know. He's not very technical. He's very violent, very explosive. Um, you know, I've shown that I can go in the third round. I've finished fights in the second, third round before. And, you know, I see it, it could be over quick. It's definitely got the possibility, but I'm going in there to just inflict damage for 15 minutes. You know, that's what I've been training for. I'm not thinking of when I'm going to finish him. I'm not thinking of, you know, looking for a quick way out. I'm looking out there to execute, you know, execute every technique the right way. Um, and 
see where see where it goes after that you know win or lose as long as i go out there and execute everything that i wanted to do um if it goes to the judges i can't control it uh but you know i'm i am looking to finish i don't think he's gonna make it 15 minutes with me but if he does um hopefully i come out on top you know That was the Kraken, Juan Adams. Uh, I, listen, um, I, you know, f- for him to to tell that story of, uh, you know, being a, a six-year-old child and, and and seeing his mom abused and, and not being able to to, to step in and, and saying, listen, that's a reason um, that I'm not a fan of Greg Hardy, and that's the reason I want to I want to change things. I want to right that wrong. I mean, gosh, I. I, I you, you, you feel for the guy, man. You think, I mean, is that something that, you know, haunted him all these years and it's almost a, a chance to right or wrong, man? I, I You know, I, I've been impressed by Greg Hardy. I've been impressed by my interactions with him. I understand why people absolutely detest the man, but I've been impressed by my time around him. Um, but I, I'm impressed by my time around Juan Adams too. So um, that heavyweight uh, matchup is going to be, Intense. Uh, the face-offs, they have not been around each other. Um, they've passed each other a little bit. From from what I understand, I mean, both guys are professionals. Both guys understand it doesn't do us any good to fight uh, until we get in the octagon on Saturday night. we got to get paid for it. Um, but, you know, people have understood. There's some tension there. And, I've, uh, you know, I was told that security let them both know, hey, you know, if you don't mind, let's, let's, let's try to keep this thing till Saturday night, boys, if that's okay. Um, but i got to think the face-off – um, Friday morning, which, uh, by, you know, sitting down Thursday night to record this like we always do. A lot of people might have already, uh, by the time you listen to this, the face-offs might be in the books. There are no ceremonial weigh-ins tomorrow, so uh, Friday morning it will be an official weigh-in at 9 a.m. local time, and then at 11 a.m. they will bring them back uh, for the face-offs. And i got to think that those face-offs are going to be pretty intense. Um, I did ask both uh, both guys today, um, and it was interesting, the, the study – in physical difference or at least their behavior between the two because both of them cut to get to heavyweight. Now, Greg Hardy, um, he said he had about 10 to 15 to go, which that's no problem. I've been told he can lose like 8, 10 pounds in a workout, like no problem. So I don't think it's a big deal, um, but it's not easy for him necessarily. Um, He was already starting to get that mindset. You know, he was – he'd been smiles and jokes and, and fun all week. Um, but he was starting to get that that look in his eye, that intensity, um, you know, that I'm I'm, I'm coming to embrace uh, the, the the pain, embrace the the, the uh, you know just the, the dark side of this man, you know, the the, the not fun part of it. So if you want to see that, um, that's on our YouTube channel. So it'll be be up on the website as well. And when I say our YouTube channel, I mean the MMA Junkie channel. But you can see that. Meanwhile, Juan Adams was was pretty jovial. You know, he said, "Listen, I've I've focused on nutrition and health and and all those things more than I ever had. I have less to cut than I ever have. Uh, I didn't bring all my little debbies like I normally do. Normally, his uh, his recovery meal is just a you know a, a, a bag full of little Debbie snack cakes. And, and he said he didn't do that. You know, he's he's gonna stay healthy. He's gonna stay committed." Uh, through all the way through the process, so um, it's going to be. Both guys said they'd be probably around 278 to 280. One said he might even be a little bit heavier, 285. So he's going to be two two big guys. To me, I, I think this all comes down to Hardy's speed, um, and you know I think his striking is is sharper early. 
Um, and I think that's what it comes down to. I think if Juan's going to win this fight, uh, he's got to survive that that initial barrage and, and try to wrestle a little bit. You know, certainly Greg Hardy's wrestling. Uh, it's you know that's the hardest part of your game to develop, right? You know, striking. Not to say that it's easy to pick up, but we get the concept. You know what I mean? Throw the punches. You, you know, you get better as you go. But especially in the heavyweight division, you know, your, your striking can come along pretty quickly. But uh, the wrestling uh, that that takes time. That's something that Juan has on his side. So uh, it's going to be interesting. I think if it, if it ends early, um, I think it's Greg Hardy. And uh, uh, you know, if it if, if it goes out a little distance, I think that that favors Juan. Uh, as time goes on, so uh, that's that's going to be a big one. That's going to that's going to have people on the edge of their seat, I think. Uh, lightweight matchup: Dan Hooker, James Vick. I am uh, I'm excited for this one. Love both these guys, man. Both these guys, students of the game. Both of them very intelligent guys. Uh, both of them uh, like like to come in and bang. Um, you know, both coming off losses. Both both want to get back to the win column. Both have a lot of respect for each other. Uh, I just think it's a perfect stylistic matchup for some entertainment value. Um, you know, Hooker was the first we'd seen him since that devastating loss to Barbosa. Uh, man, speaking to him, it was it was amazing to hear him talk about you know battling through there. He said, "Listen, you know, I have no problem being knocked out. I have no problem being submitted. Um, what I do have a problem with is quitting on myself. And yes, I was put through a war, but I knew I would not quit on myself. And uh, you know, he 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 man, he he lived that the last time out. You know." But in, in asking him, you know, do you take pride in that? I mean, do you take value in that? I said, no, nah, not really. You know, I always knew that about myself. It's, you know, I just, I guess I proved what I always knew about myself. And I, he said, I, look, very early on, I knew this was going to be a battle. Um, but I, I knew what it would take to get through it. And I got all the way through it. And, yes, I lost. And I think his stock went up in that loss, man. I, of course, anybody that knows this show knows I've been a big Dan Hooker fan for a long time. Um, but I think his stock went up in a lot of people's eyes. Um but he needs to get back in the wind column here. And he said, listen, I've changed everything. I saw my faults, and, and I fixed them all. And he said one of the biggest things, and I found this really interesting because I, I do think there's some truth to it. You know, he said, listen, because he's a phenomenal at breaking down fights. Man, you talk to him about, you know, breaking down a matchup, breaking down stylistic, breaking down strategies. The guy is incredible at what he does. But he said, I, I don't think that's necessarily a great thing to do as a fighter. You know, I've, I've, I can't overthink things. And I think that's so true in this, in this game. I mean, it, it has to be quicker than that. You know, it, it can't, you can't overthink things. You can't overthink things in the buildup. You can't overthink things on fight night. I mean, it, the execution of it. And, and he said, listen, I, I've, I've, I'm still a coach, and I love breaking down things and analyzing things and that sort of thing as a coach for my people. But in the meantime – um, you know, as a fighter, I have to take that coach hat off, and I have to let my team handle that. And so, uh, I'm intrigued to see. I, Dan, Dan Hooker is an incredibly intelligent guy, uh, and I think he's a phenomenal fighter. So I'm, I'm anxious to see what he does here. Uh, meanwhile, uh, James Vick, the Tex executioner, he's happy to be fighting from home. He just got to drive down the road to get here. He said he's going to have a big cheering section, um, and he said he loves fighting home. You know, there are people that say I, I'm not a big fan of, of fighting home because it means I have to deal with tickets. It means I have to deal with, uh, you know, friends and family wanting to talk to me and wanting to be around me. And he said, listen, no, I, I love every aspect of it. I love being in Texas. I'm excited about it. Now, that said, today, that was open workouts. Uh, today at Media Day, he was scheduled to be there. And, and we were told, uh, I think he was about halfway through was being scheduled. And, and we were told, hey, guys, uh, James is going to be a little late. He'll he'll be with you later today. We just have to change things up a little bit. Cool, cool, cool. No big deal. Things happen. James ended up not coming to uh, the media day. Now, 
Uh, I, I, I say that because it doesn't mean anything definitively. Uh, he swears that the weight cut is not that bad for him. I know it looks tough, but he swears, you know, 170's not on his mind. The weight cut's not as bad as everybody makes it out to be. And, you know, I will say in Phoenix uh, last time out when he lost to Paul Felder, he didn't look that bad. Um, you'll remember in, uh, where were we, in Lincoln when he lost to Gaethje, uh, he definitely was concerning. But, he, you know, uh, now, I'm not saying that any of this is weight cut related because we don't have any proof that it was weight cut related. Nobody's saying it was weight cut related. Um, but it's just a, a note to, to consider, I guess, and, and before we see him on the scales and, uh, once we see him on the scales, you know, for all you sharps out there putting your action together, it's just something to, to consider, I guess. He didn't come. Now, listen, maybe he just decided to hell with it. You know, I've lost two fights in a row. Uh, I know what John Morgan's going to ask me about, and I don't want to talk to John Morgan today. <laughs> if that's the case, uh, all respect. I completely understand. No big deal. Uh, maybe he just didn't want to come talk to us. So, so that's fine, too. Or, hell, maybe just something popped up, man. You never know. Uh, you know, people have little emergencies outside of the sport in their life. Maybe that's what happened. So, uh, who knows? But just a little little tidbit of information that he wasn't there. Uh, the, listen, and I'm telling you, this card, I, to me, entertaining matchups. Entertaining matchups. Not the big names at the top, but I think action matchups. You know, I think I think this is no accident. The, this, this is a card that's on ESPN. I think the UFC respects that relationship and understands what that relationship means. Action fights on ESPN. Action fights on ESPN. Uh, and if you do that, that helps grow the sport. Alexander Hernandez versus Francisco Trinaldo is one of those types of fights. Uh, Alexander Hernandez, of course, pissed off a lot of people in the build-up to the Cowboy Cerrone fight. Lost that fight, much to the chagrin of a lot of people. But I got to tell you, if you get a chance to go see, you know, any of the interviews that we did, uh, you know, on MMA Junkie, he was at the open workouts. He was at the media day as well. We got both those on the website, both those on the YouTube channel as well. The dude is taking it in stride, man, and, and he's saying, listen, uh, you know, I understand what went wrong. It was eye-opening to me. You know, I realize now I can't come out there and sprint every time. I've got to be more measured in my approach. I've got to, I, I've got to be smart in the way I, I do things. But when you ask him, well, so does that mean you'll dial back your aggression? Does that mean you'll dial back your, your talk? Does that mean you'll dial back your attitude? He said, no, you know, that's who I am. I did not lose one ounce of confidence. This is who I am, you know, and I believe in myself. Um, but when you get to the higher ranks, you can't just walk through people. And if it wasn't going to be Cowboy, it was going to be somebody else that taught me that lesson. I learned that lesson, and, and I've changed everything. And I like the guy's intensity. I, I understand why it put off a lot of people in the lead-up to the Cowboy Cerrone fight. I get it. Cowboy is a beloved figure. You know, I've, all, I've often said, you know, the guy's my favorite fighter. Like, I get it. But I respect that intensity that he brings, the commitment that he brings, um, the kind of guy that he is. You know, you, you hear the stories behind the scenes about just constantly, you know, uh, just obsessed with performance, obsessed with improving, obsessed with, um, you know, being the absolute best fighter he can be. And, and, and I, I can respect the hell out of that. So um, now it's cool because – you know, here's the thing. The, the guy's been the bad guy in his UFC career, right? You know, he had to go fight a Canadian in Canada, and he was the bad guy. He had to go fight Cowboy, which you're going to be the bad guy wherever you fight when you fight Cowboy. He did give us the gift 
of Day Drinking Dawn, by the way, which is still just an absolutely phenomenal nickname slash trash talk. So he gave us that. Um, but now this week, you know, he, he, he lives and trains in San Antonio. So uh, he, uh, he, he's going to get love here. And uh, he was getting love from the crowd at the open workouts. He's, he's going to get love. And, and we asked him, you know, do you enjoy that better? And he said, well, you know, I don't know if I enjoy it better, but I'm going to enjoy it. You know, I, I, I'll take that positive energy. And I thought that was cool because I thought he was a guy that kind of liked to have you know, kind of a chip on his shoulder or whatever. Like he just wanted to just, you know, put the middle finger to the world and, 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 and go out there. Um, and that's not the case. You know, he said, no, I, he had smiles on his face. He said, look, I'll embrace that positivity. I'm excited about getting cheered. I'm excited about hearing all that. Um, and, and I look forward to uh, to being in the cage on Saturday night. Meanwhile, he's fighting Francisco Trinaldo, uh, Masaranduba, you know, a, a Brazilian legend. We talked about him over the years, during, you know, back when we were going to Brazil seven, eight times a year. The guy is a legend, man. He really is. But he's he's pretty much unknown here in, in the United States. Um, it, you know, he's getting up there in age. He doesn't have a ton left, but he's as tough as they come, man. He's he's durable. You know, that's that's the nickname. Masaranduba is like this, you know, massive, strong redwood tree. That's what he's named after. Um, just you know, big, strong dude. Uh, you know. He's, he's not necessarily a wrestler, but he's strong as hell. You know, he's not necessarily uh, a pure striker, but he's powerful and does, you know, have trained Muay Thai as well. So, um, you know, all around, he just puts you in tough fights, and I think this is going to be one of those action-type fights. Now, we did we did get to speak to Francisco Trinaldo this week. I will say uh, I, I did not even bother putting the interview online anywhere uh, through no fault of his own, I guess, or the UFC zone or whatever. Basically, the structure we had was you asked a question in English, uh, and then we had an interpreter that would change that to Spanish. And then, and I should say the interpreter is not a, a full-time interpreter. This was a UFC employee who happens to be bilingual uh, that was willing to help out in a pinch. Uh, so kudos to him, and thank you very much. Uh, but he would translate to English. Then Trinaldo's coach would take the Spanish and translate it to Portuguese, and then Trinaldo would answer in Portuguese. The coach would change it to Spanish over to the USC employee who would then give it back to us in English. And uh, I'm, I, my English skills are decent. I'm okay at English. Uh, my Spanish, and eh, not so good. Uh, my wife would tell you it's probably just awful, but not so good. I, but, I, but I can understand a little bit of it. Portuguese... I'm pretty bad there. It's like Mike Schoen Cerveza. Like, that's pretty much all I got there. Uh, Bañeros, I, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, you know, it's it's not a lot. But even I could see where the telephone game was falling apart there. Uh, so we didn't get a lot of we didn't get a lot of good out of Master and Duba is what I'm saying. So as far as his mindset, as far as what he's thinking, I don't know. We played a long game of telephone, and I couldn't figure it out. But I do know that I've seen that guy fight a lot. I've seen him fight a lot in person when we used to go down to Brazil a lot. You know, that's where he's fought most of his career, uh, and the dude can bang. So I, I think this is going to be um, a really great fight as well. And then uh, the main card kicks off with Andre Olaski versus Ben Rothwell. Andre Olaski, his 30th uh, career UFC fight, the first heavyweight to reach that milestone. We, we talked to him a little bit. Um, and, 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 man, I mean, his UFC debut was 19 years ago. 19 years ago, uh, we happened to be the same age. I think we're about seven or eight months apart, but I mean, I think both of us were like 40 at the time. It's crazy. We're, I mean, both of us are 40 now. We're like 21 at the time. It's Anyway, it's crazy. Uh, it's a long – I mean, you think about a lifetime ago, where you were 19 years ago. I mean, I guess I was 21, 22 years old at the time. That's insane. And, and he actually remembered it and, and talked about, you know, kind of his journey from 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 uh, from then till now. Andre said, listen, I still want to be a USC champion. I know it sounds crazy, 
But I, I love the sport more than ever. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm as committed as ever, uh, and I want to be a UFC champion. Certainly, you know, the, the losses are documented. There's no question about it. But um, Andre still believes in himself, and he said he still has passion. He's not doing this for a paycheck. He's doing it because he loves it, and he still wants to do uh, big things. Should say, Andre Olowski showed up to media day uh, wearing a, a golden snitch shirt, the uh, the Jeff Nowitzki shirts. And, uh, you know, Jeff has handed those out to some people. So I didn't, honestly didn't really think twice about it. You know, just, okay, cool, he's got a he's got a golden snitch shirt on. Um, but at some point, you know, and, and it's not worth playing an audio because you, you can't tell. But at some point it was asked, you know, do you think there's a difference, uh, you know, between Ben Rothwell the last time you fought and now? And, uh, and, and Andre just said, yeah, and then looked down at his shirt, looked down at the logo, you know, just saying, yeah, yeah, golden snitch, USADA. So uh, you, you could tell where Andre, and it, not that Andre hasn't spoken on this before, but, I mean, that was a direct shot at Ben Rothwell, um, subtle. But direct, no question about it. Um, and and I say that because I, you, you got to hear what happened with Ben Rothwell as well. If you remember, of course, Ben Rothwell, you know, dealt with the USADA situation. He was very, very quiet about it, um, but very, very frustrated. It was evident in the few times we did talk to him. Uh, we got a chance to speak to him. Uh, I, I was in Wichita uh, last time out before he fought Blagoy Ivanov, and that was the first time that we were going to get to speak to him coming back. And I've always had a decent relationship with Ben Rothwell, cordial, you know. Um, you know, I think he's always been a little standoffish with the media, concerned that we're trying to get him, you know, trying to trick him, trying to get him to say the wrong things. Um, but I've always had a good relationship with Ben Rothwell. But he came in and just didn't want to talk. I mean, made it very, very clear. Answered my questions politely, answered them directly, but answered them in such a way that it was clear that he had absolutely zero interest in continuing the conversation any longer than, than absolutely necessary. Um, you know, it was, it was kind of a very much a talk of the media room at that point. It was just like, wow, what's going on with Ben? Um, of course then, you know, remember he lost that very, very contentious split decision to Blagoy Ivanov. I, I, I'll be honest and no disrespect to Blagoy. I mean, Blagoy uh, lives and trains, uh, you know, he goes out to AKA a lot too, but he's in Vegas a lot as well. Um, so I see him a lot there. So I, I mean, no disrespect, but I, I thought Ben Rothwell won the fight that night, to be honest with you. Um, and so I was a little surprised, and I even expressed after that, I was a little worried, you know, seeing Ben Rothwell's mindset beforehand and then dealing with that type of a decision and how it came out afterwards, um, I was a little worried about his, his, his mental health, to be honest with you, his depression, you know, where he would be at. Um, that was completely eliminated today. Ben Rothwell... Um, to me, one of the most memorable interviews of Fight Week. No question about it. This was a media scrum today, and it started out again. Um, you know, I had a few questions about things. It actually started out with Ben addressing me, which was funny enough. You know, he's he's like, oh, John Morgan's here. What kind of crazy questions is he going to be asking me? And I thought, oh, my God, what's going to happen now? But then he was just, you know, bounding with enthusiasm, man. He was just excited. He was uh, he wanted to talk about it. He was willing to address everything. And he got into some fairly deep stuff. And then um, Rodney Edgar uh, was was here as well. And, and he kind of even pressed him a little bit further on it and, uh, you know, asked him about some of the mental health issues that he has dealt with and he has admitted to. Um, and it got, it got pretty intense and it got pretty emotional. Um, I just – to me, uh, I don't know, powerful stuff. We all kind of walked away from this saying, man, how intense, uh, how intense was this? So uh, here's, uh, here's Big Ben. This is, this, is a, a sh- <laughs> this is a different man than I saw a few months ago. Yeah, I was, I was 
pretty upset last time. Well, let's, I mean, let's start with the fight last time. I mean, you know, I'll be honest with you. I thought you won the fight. I think Thank you. Did. Um, losing that fight, a tough decision like that, and you were already angry that week when you came in. I, I'll be honest, I was worried about you after that. What, what were the days and weeks after that fight like for you? Well, I rewatched I re the fight. Um, I've gotten there was a period of time there, especially when I was on that win streak. I wasn't watching my fights or my opponents, and then after the junior fight, I was like, it would be wise for me to study a little more. So I started watching myself more than anything. You know, what are these guys watching? What you know, you know, these camps are investing a lot of time watching what I do. So pretty, pretty unpredictable and unorthodox, and I use that to my advantage. So I'm just trying to watch for all the little nuanced things that they do. And in this particular last fight, was not happy with the Brent performance. I mean, that's a fight I should finish within the first or second round. I firmly believe if we would have had a five round fight like he had with Junior, I was gonna finish him in the fourth round. I think there's no doubt about that. He was, uh, heavily fatigued, I shut both of his eyes, and I was feeling pretty good. I actually picked it up, I, I beat him by a two to one ratio in the third round, but somehow the two of the judges gave him that round. It makes no sense. You know, all three scorecards were different. Uh, ESPN asked me to talk that night about it, and I didn't wanna, I just, it was too fresh, and I didn't wanna come and just sound like I was complaining, because I've said for 20 years, don't let it go to the judges. Literally, since I started the sport, my amateur career was embedded in me, you don't ever let it go to the judges, and I've tried to stand by that. I don't like to win my fights that way, anyway so it is what it is i mean it was really unfortunate even though i think i did do enough to win the fight um i just went back and and it was like it was like a it was a different feeling when i fought junior i clearly lost five rounds and i didn't dispute that i didn't perform well and i could handle it this fight was different because it was like so much media and people were telling me I won the fight. Then I watched the fight and I was like, I did win the fight. It was different because I took a loss and I lost half of my money, but I didn't lose. I mean, so many people felt I won. So it was like a really, I've never experienced this before. It's either I lose for sure or I win for yeah. sure. You know what I mean? I've never really been in this situation. So uh, I still just take responsibility for, hey, you know, I, I know I can perform better at three years off. I've tried hard to not let layoffs affect me. Uh, there's no doubt after three years, did I go in? Was I hesitant the first round? There's no doubt. I, I just was had, an, I, I, what I didn't want to do is go out and throw a bunch. And then all of a sudden, I'm putting my hands on my knees in the second round. You know, I'm, I'm really, really feel good. I hope that I, I can keep showing it. Uh, the week of the fights is, is trying to learn this. You know, 20 years and I'm still learning. Uh, but my conditioning is in a place it's never, ever been before. For me to fight that well in a third round, I mean, that should bother the heavyweight division because I've never been that, that well off in a third round, ready to go rounds four and five. Um, basically training for five round fights now. So I can really, really, uh, pick it up in the next three round. You know, for a three round fight, I can pick it up. And now I know where my body's at. Getting this fight out of the way, you know, I'm I'm kind of I'm gonna pick up as this last fight. I'm gonna continue on round four or five, whatever. Go out and start the fight. Can you share what was going through your mind or your emotions that last fight week? Because you went, you know, when you stood in front of us last time, you, you know, you were you were doing your media obligations, but it was very clear you didn't want to speak to us. It's just the whole USADA thing just bothered me so much. It was just such a dark time for me, the whole situation. Uh, you know, I did talk to TSN guys uh, about it. I did kind of say a little bit about it. Um, I just want to first clarify, just so the UFC knows that I've never been more proud to be a part of the UFC than now. And they had, it was, they didn't, do, they didn't ask the doctors to treat me. They had nothing to do with it. And they kind of handed it off to USADA. USADA do its job. My issues with, was with USADA. And it was what happened after the fact with other fighters, the, this whole leniency and inconsistency that really, it, was, it bothered me. Because, 
you know, I feel most for guys like Tom Lawler and uh, Loyola Machida and Josh Barnett. I mean, these guys had years taken off, and now you see other people having the same issues, getting six month suspensions, and he's like, you know, it's just not right. And my situation was was pretty messed up because I did have this full medical staff treating me, and everybody was arguing. And I can understand. USADA could come out and been like, hey. This was an unfortunate situation, you know, this is what happened, but this is our regulations, this has to be it. And just at least to notify it, hey, Ben wasn't cheating. All See, see, everything changed when they started talking about levels of things. When they started saying, oh, well, the levels were low, it didn't matter, you know, the, for these other people, you know, well, then my and all should have, that should have been completely uh, part of it because then, well, there was no cheating. Everything was regulated. All the testing was done by my doctors. Everything was shown where they were at, why they were doing it why the therapist couldn't treat me because I had physical conditions. And then when that was fixed, then they could treat me. And by that time, you saw it, I'd already did everything. And it was just a, it was a big, you know, I guess it was a challenge. One of the greatest challenges of my life was getting through this. And I did. I did get through it. And I'm strong. I can honestly say I'm, I feel better and stronger than I've ever had in my life. Even at 37 years old, the age is just a number right now. At least for the next few years, I know it's going to be that way. Because I have never had this kind of conditioning, this strength, and my skill set. The fact that I keep learning at this age. I try to teach all the guys younger than me. Do you guys understand I've been doing this for 20 years and I'm still learning? And that's because of my coaches. Nelson Machado with my conditioning, scientist, and Luis Claudio, one of the best, in my opinion, one of the best black belts. Hicks and Gracie's second black belt ever. I mean, I'm getting I'm I'm very, very proud to be in my position. And for me, I have yet to show my best. I know that and I gotta come out and show it. You guys gotta you gotta see what everybody else in my gym knows. So where do you feel like you're at in your career? Because I, I tell you, the, la the last fight week, I thought this is a guy that hates this sport and is, does not want to be here. Now it's the exact opposite. I feel like you you got years left ahead of you. I I love this sport. I mean, this sport has given me a life. You know, and, and the UFC have been under them for almost ten years. And the life I, I know a lot of people have their issues with outside you know pay and things like that for me it's it's i've had i've had a a life that i know if it wasn't for mma i would be in a factory or, or dead i don't know mma saved my life and i'm here to i feel like god has given me a purpose and i have to see this through and i'm not done yet i'm just i'm just really getting started and for me it's it's now or never like we know that we know where i'm at backs against the wall but you guys have seen me down and out before but this is different nice last thing for me an unlikely rematch I don't think any of us saw coming so when they came to you with this name and said here's the fight we're thinking of what did you think was it something that you wanted what do you like the match? Yeah, it is it's it's first rematch of my career wow so you know I have, I have over 50 mixed martial arts fights just a professional and this is my very first rematch and uh yeah intensity's there is it, is it hard to get motivated <laughs> absolutely not no not the, it's not hard for me to get motivated for any fight I'm, I just feel like this, people understand that I was, my parents tell stories when I was three, four years old, I was shadow boxing in the air and beating up trees and things like that. Like it was always a part of me. Like I was watching Van Damme and Conan and all that as a very young age. And the only thing that I have is I didn't get into this soon enough. I started fighting, my very first fight was at 17 years old. And I just like, wow, I would have started this way sooner. But MMA was pretty new back then. Also for me, it's like, especially with the UFC, I was, I was, I was, I started in 1999 and around 2000, 2001, I'm like, man, I want to make this a career. I love this. And the sport was trying to get banned and Dana White and the Fertitas come in and bought the UFC. And as far as the Fertitas knew, they could have been throwing away $2 million. 
And wow, what a thing they turned it into. And it's like, God bless them. People don't realize that nobody else is willing to throw $2 million at a time. They, they did save the sport. And the reason I'm so proud to be of it, this is a worldwide thing now. ESPN has picked it up. I have never been as proud as I am now to be part of this. I'm, that alone is my motivation. And uh, the, the, even now, after everything I went through, to get the fan base that the people reached out to me from Japan and around Asia and all around the North America and, and Europe, and, and just like, wow, this is a whole world sport. So unlike anything else, it just makes me really proud. I'm, I'm ready to perform. I know, I, know, I know what the fans want to see, and I know I can give it. Sure. A few years ago, you had kind of opened up about some uh, mental health problems that you were dealing with. We recently saw Tyson Fury, the world heavyweight boxing champion, do the same thing. Very courageous. I was wondering if you could speak on that at all. As far as what exactly? I, I, I heard a little bit about it, but like what, what exactly? Like, like, what, like what sort of things you've dealt with? Like depression, anxiety, anger issues? <laughs> anger issues is with me since I was, can first remember. I'm, a, I'm naturally a very angry and intense person. Uh, I carry that with me. It fuels me. So that's just, it's just part of our family. If you, if you just got to understand the Rothwells and my, my mom and dad and how we were raised. And, you know, God bless them, but they used, uh, you know, Discipline with my mom's quote was she didn't use pine because it broke too fast. She had an old board and she used it. She hit me everywhere but my ass. It wasn't child abuse back then, but it made me who I am. Like it's it's part of it's part of part of it. Like I grew up tough. Like you had to be. And you know my problems come from I don't know. I went through a lot. I, I, there was a horrific car accident I was in. It's my story that it, it my head hit the dash. My friend died next to me. I had 11 broken ribs. The car wreck it. it it totally changed my life, and I, I am been diagnosed with hypogodism because of it. Uh, they checked. It's just a lot of things that have been wrong. They've been dealing with. I've had low testosterone even my early 20s. That's a, there's like obviously there's a problem here. That that in turn causes mental health issues like depression. Yes, after Junior DeSantos, I had to have a knee surgery. So I went from training every day nearly to keep. That's what keeps your. That's what keeps. That's why I'm here right now. I'm able to train. I keep my training up. That keeps my body regulated. I was laid out for about three months on a bed after knee surgery. It ruined me. My my testosterone, like, went under. I got severely depressed. Then I was dealing with a loss. I was almost at a title shot, and I was crushed. And uh, they were really worried about me. And I was, my wife was the one that really, you know, took me to get treatment and trying to get through this whole thing. And and they were they were getting me fixed. Then the therapist started working with me. Then you saw the thing happened, and then here we go. Like this is this might be the thing that really pushed me off the cliff. And somehow and through all of that, I found a motivation that I've been fighting my whole life. And why am I going to stop now? And there's just something inside of me that, that said, I'm going to get through this. And I'm going to show the world who I really am and what I can do. And that's been driving me ever since. That's why it's meant so much to you. You were trying to get better and people were blaming you for cheating. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that. Um, there are a lot of people who have their own different things they're going through. And I feel like somebody in your position could, you know, they could benefit from words of encouragement. Anything that you would like to speak on, that resilience piece, how you got through it? We, we take a lot of things for granted. I could be a multimillionaire. I could have been a professional football player. Who knows? My life could have been totally different. But I have the life that I have. And every day I wake up and I just remember to wake up and be thankful for what I do have. I have an incredible wife. I have a lot of loving people around me. I was just... God gave me that to make me be smart enough to open a gym that I've watched help change lots of people's lives, children and adults, and just 
It's just it's something that you can't put a dollar amount on. And that gym also got me through that three-year period. And and because of that and how much how many blessings I have, I was like, I couldn't. I had to remember what I had, and it made me pick myself up every day and I keep fighting for what I am. So some some powerful stuff there from Ben Rothwell and uh, man, I, I you know he was he was battling back tears at one point. I gotta be honest, man, I was getting a little a little choked up as well there, and, and you know I even kind of blurted out like, oh man, that's that's why you were so mad, you know. And um, you know he hasn't really talked about it much, but I, I thought it was you know great of him to to, to open up and um, you know really kind of share that side of himself with us, and it was. Uh, Man, it 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 was uh, it was powerful stuff. So uh, listen, he seems game. Andre seems game. Um, I think that could be a, a surprise. You know, when, uh, you know when that fight was announced, I'm sure a lot of people were thinking, ah, you know, come on, what's this about? What's this rematch about? But uh, I'm intrigued by it, man. I really am. And uh, listen, I, I've I've liked <laughs> I like Andre Olaski a lot, man. It's funny because early on in his career, he was a little bit prickly to deal with, but lately, man, he's he's a funny dude. He's uh, you know, I think he can be a little bit intimidating if, if he wants to be. Um, but then when you realize, like, that's just kind of him, I don't know, having a little facade. I mean, he's a, he's a fun fun guy to talk to. And uh, and then Ben Rothwell, man, kind of opening that way. I mean, this is uh, – I, I love this main card. I really do. I, I think we're going to have a lot of fun in this main card. I think it's going to be full of action. So uh, definitely intrigued by it. Prelims, not much worse. Uh, Alex Caceres, Bruce Leroy versus Steven Peterson. Ocho Peterson out of the Fortis MMA squad, um, you know, has, has had some in, incredibly exciting fights. But, uh, you know, talked to him earlier this week. And he did say, listen, I realize I cannot fight this way all the time. I've, I've got to be, uh, you know, a, a, a little side-to-side -side movement to go along with my forward aggression. He's like, I'm always going to be aggressive. But, uh, you know, I, I've got I've, I've, I've to be aware of that. But he's an all-action fighter. And then, of course, Bruce Leroy uh, is always fun as well. I had a great conversation with him as well. He's so fun because he really doesn't like talking about fighting, but if you talk to him about just kind of martial arts themselves and his life and things outside the sport, man, I've, I've really come to enjoy it. And, and man, it's crazy. You know, this is his 21st uh, trip to the cage. You know, he has uh, one no contest, so it looks like he only has 19, but he because he has the one, he's you know, he has 20. Uh, and when I was talking to him, you know, Bruce Leroy, just not a guy I ever thought would, 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 uh, would fight this long, man. I don't think he loves – necessarily getting in there he loves the martial aspects martial arts aspect of it he loves the training aspect of it but i don't think he necessarily loves the certainly not the 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 trash talk marketing thing that's not his thing at all uh you know i hate you you hate me let's go duke it out outside that's not him at all um and you know even the competition the winning and losing like i think he just loves kind of like bettering himself and being a martial artist in the in the in the true sense of it more than the competitive sense of it but man he's been around for a while so i think that could be a fun fight by the way, funny thing, talking about, talking about Greg Hardy earlier, uh, you know, Greg Hardy was sitting around, a couple of us were talking about stuff, we were talking about schedules, and, and a couple of people mentioned Bruce Leroy, Bruce Leroy, and, and he's like, is that actually his name? I thought he had a different name, and everybody said, well, no, he's he's Alex Caceres, you know, but, you know, that was kind of his nickname, and people just kind of started calling him, and so, you know, I think a lot of people call him Bruce Leroy a lot more than people call him Alex Caceres, and, and, and Greg was kind of like, well, why can't we just everybody call me Prince of War? Like, uh, I mean, we could, but I think people know you more as Greg Hardy. But for what it's worth, um, Greg Hardy is fine. If you don't call him Greg Hardy, if you just want to call him the Prince of War, 
he's good with that. He wants to be like Bruce Leroy, just have that, uh, just have that that nickname. Uh, so. We'll see. Uh, Rene Aldana versus Raquel Pennington. That could be a very, very fun women's fight. Rene Aldana, uh, to me, one of the greatest uh, boxers in, in, in terms of, of the women's game. And of course, Raquel, Kenning, Raquel Pennington, tough as nails. She's always in there to, to bang. That could be fun. Clinton Abreu versus Sam Alvey. Just saw Sam Alvey down there, by the way. Not much weight cut going on tonight at 205. He's down there taking care of a, a two-month-old baby, man. His family just continues to grow. Uh, so he's he's enjoying the evening, not having to sweat himself down to 185. Clinton Brave, kind of more of a, a jiu-jitsu stylist, but Sam said he's going to try to stand and bang with him. Uh, Jennifer Maya versus Roxanne Modafferi. I mentioned it early on. Yes, early on the prelims, that's going to be the one that has this uh, the, the Morgan family on the edge of their seats a little bit. Uh, so if you see a poster in the crowd, a little poster board and a, and a, and a little dude there, uh, that's that's going to be my kid. So <laughs> we'll see if he makes it to camera or not. But he's excited to watch his coach fight. Uh, this is a rematch, by the way, uh, a fight that Jennifer Maya won the first time around. She won. It was a very, very close fight. It was uh, in, in the Invicta uh, cage for a championship there. Maya definitely won the later frames. That's where she won the fight. That was a five-round fight. This is a three-round fight. So, you know, maybe that uh, favors Modafferi a little bit because Maya did win it late last time out. I think both of them are different fighters since then. Uh, Roxanne definitely feels that she's a different fighter since that time. But uh, it was a very, very close fight the first time around. Uh, and, and Roxanne Modafferi believes this is an important one. You know, she was supposed to fight Liz Carmouche on this card. Uh, Liz Carmouche was pulled uh, in favor of a title fight against Valentina Shevchenko. So, you know, if, if the if the person that you're facing is pulled for a championship fight, you know, that's got to mean that you're at least, you know, close in the mix. And I think that's the way she's looking at it. So uh, we'll see there. Ray Borg, uh, man, fingers crossed. You know what? Let's not even say anything. Ray Borg is fighting, and he's definitely going to fight. Always good to see that guy. Uh, man, the, the guy could use some good luck. So we'll see how that plays out. Um, he's battled through enough for sure. Uh, he's fighting Gabriel Silva. And then uh, rounding it out with some international talent, Mario Batista versus Jin Susan and Felipe Colares versus Domingo Pilarte. So uh, should be a fun card. Uh, I'm definitely looking forward to it. I'll be working in the back. I'm down here solo by myself, so I'll have uh, winner interviews with uh, everybody that comes through and all that. Uh, hopefully I can poke my head out cage side for, uh, for at least the main event and, and see what's playing out there. But I do think it's going to be a good one in San Antonio. Uh, I do have family here, but if we can get the work done, I, I, I want to get back to the and a half. I got to get back to the and a half. I love it. I just love talking about it. So uh, I'll try to sneak that in. Let's see, we'll see how the workflow goes. Uh, this time, uh, since I know cold coffee is not going to be here, I don't have to wait on him to finish working. So maybe I'll just bang it out myself. Uh, but yeah, that's what's going on in San Antonio. Hope you uh, didn't mind dealing with just me rolling solo. Either way, thanks for listening.